Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a three-part series titled Shift. In this series, Dr. Benji Kelly unpacks a series of shifts that a believer has to make in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We hope you enjoy the series and that it blesses you in your walk with Christ. Welcome. How are you guys doing today? A little quiet. How are you guys doing today? You can get a little louder. Yes, 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 yes. Today is, uh, we are diving into our series called Shift, Accelerating Life Change, and I am excited to, uh, to be here. I hope you guys are excited to be here because uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, participation back and forth here and at the campuses, so get your seatbelts on because it's going to be a fun ride, okay? Yep. Can we try this one more time? How are we doing today? Good. All right. That's much better, much better. All right, let's, uh, I want to take just a second welcome in all of our campuses, whether you're watching at Garner, NCCIW, Latino Campus, TV, online, or at our Sanford campus. Welcome. Would you guys all help me welcome all of them, wherever they may be? This, uh, this is the first time that I actually get to say you know, something to the Sanford campus, so I'm, uh, I'm excited about this. This is the first time you guys are seeing me, but know that I've been praying for you for a really, really long time. So I'm excited to be speaking to you guys today, and I'm excited to be speaking with all of you here. Today we are jumping into shift, accelerating life change. And what that basically means is we want to lean into all that God has for us. Now that can't happen unless there's changes that take place, right? At its core, the, the, the Christian life, being a follower of Christ, is uh, realizing there's a series of shifts that need to take place in each of our lives. And so that's what we're going to be walking through today. Now, I, I realized this as well. I realized this during the, the first service. Uh, this may not be one of those amen messages, all right? Because we don't like to hear that we're not doing things right. Like, no, nobody comes and says, yeah, just tell me all the things I'm doing wrong, all right? We, we don't like that, but... Sometimes things that you need to hear are hard to swallow, but you still need to hear them, right? You know what I mean? So can I get an amen on that at least? Okay, all right, all right. So that, that'll make me feel good, and we'll, 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 keep, uh, we'll keep trekking along here. So today, shift. Following Christ is a series of shift, right? It's, a, it's, it's more than a series or a system of beliefs and thoughts. It's stepping into a way of being and thinking and living. You know what I mean? It is a shifting from a way of thinking to a faith-filled obedience. It's shifting from an all-consuming focus on self to realizing that we are the church and we exist for the world. We are the hope for the world, the scriptures would tell us. You see, at its core, following Christ is a series of shifts. But here's the truth. Make no mistake about it. Wherever you are, however you walked in here today or at one of the campuses, God accepts you, receives you, loves you wherever you are, whoever you are, however you came in here. But make no mistake about it. He loves you too much to leave you there. He loves you far too much to leave you there. And uh, the way that this makes sense to me, so I'm a new father, I've got a newborn at home and uh, newborns after they eat, they've got not just one, but they have two exits. You know what I mean? You following me? Right? So my newborn, and, and newborns, they, it's not just one exit at a time. Sometimes it's both at the, at the same time. They're just great that way. But regardless of how my newborn comes to me, however I receive him or if he's on me, whatever it may be, I love him, messes and all, but I love him too much to leave him there. Are you following me? So hang on to that. Hang on to that, that, that picture a little bit. Oh, I, I, need to, I need to say this. If I bring up a newborn and I don't show you a picture of a newborn, I think I break like all like the universal laws of fatherhood. So let me, let me, you guys want to see a picture? 
Okay, so here's, here's a picture of our newborn. Now, some of you are, are, are excited to see him. Some of you are excited to see what he's wearing on his head. Uh, <laughs> and those of you that know I'm a Duke alum are like, what are you doing, man? So here's the deal. We, we put out a press release after he was born saying that we were now taking offers for basketball scholarships to all the local schools. And Roy Williams was just first. So now Coach K, Coach Gottfried, is your move. All right? No, no. Um, Yes, I can be bought by a full-ride scholarship, all right? So I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. We've got one more picture. We actually just took this one just yesterday. There he is. There's my little man. There he is. So, all right. I, I can stand and look at him forever, but you guys, you see babies all the time. So here we go. Shift. I believe wholeheartedly that God has goodness and beauty that he wants to do inside of you and through you. But unless you're willing to make some shifts... They'll never come about. There's some things that, that we need to get that are, that are fundamental, they're core to who we are as followers of Christ. My, my goal, my, my, my plan, my purpose for it this morning is that you would get a vision of who you were supposed to be as a, as a follower of Christ, and moreover, that together we would catch a glimpse or a vision of who we're supposed to be as a church, and that it would, it would make a difference in our community here as a, as a church, but it would have a far-reaching effect throughout Central North Carolina. You see, if we get this, you know, we all drive around. Who has a, who has a New Hope, uh, you know, magnet on the back of their car? A lot of us. We, and it says, this changes everything. Here's the deal. If we get this today, this, this shift, it truly does change everything. It changes everything. And before I reveal what that shift is, let me, let me, let me share this. Uh, not too long ago, well, actually several months ago, I was, uh, I was running. I mentioned to you guys before that I'm a runner. And I was running. I was doing an eight-mile run and uh, three miles from home on my way back. I felt something pop in my left foot. And uh, I was running downhill and somehow just had to figure out a way to get three miles back home. Kind of ran, walked, ran, walked. And it was just throbbing by the time I got home. I kind of took a couple weeks off and I started running again. And then the pop came back when I went out to run. I took a month off and the same thing just kind of kept happening over and over and over again. This happened last winter. So finally I went and I saw a, a sports med doctor and they did an x-ray and I was like, okay, now we're, there's probably a, a stress fracture. We're going to figure this thing out. And they, they came back and there was nothing there. He said, there's a little bit of swelling in, in, in the muscles, but there's, there's, there's no break. So he, he recommended an MRI and I'm like, ah, I don't need an MRI. I'll just get, take a little more time off. I said, no, I was, I was going to self-medicate it, right? It didn't work. I took some time off, went running again, and the, the, the same problem was there. Just this immense amount of pain in my left foot. So finally, I agreed, hey, let's do an MRI. But I was kind of like worried, like, what, what's, what's an MRI going to show? Like, what's, what's happening in there? When I came back from the MRI, basically, he said the same thing. Well, there's, like, there's, there's nothing wrong. Like, I, he's like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, I think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks, Doc. That's, that's, that's great. I, I, I love hearing that. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I think you're running wrong. He's like, there's, there's got to be something that's causing this pain. He's like, I want to send you to a physical therapist. They'll watch you run. They'll get it all figured out. So I go to a physical therapist. And sure enough, first day, they put me on the treadmill and they, they videotape me with my, with my phone. And the therapist walks around, records me. And then we go back to the room and uh, she, she's showing me the video. She's like, do you see what you're doing wrong there? I'm like, no. Like, I mean, I was giving them, I was like chariots of fire. I mean, I was like in this to, like, to win it. I thought I was doing great. She's like, she looked at me, she's like, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. Like this, you know, what's, and she's like, no, no, no. Like you, what's happening here? 
is like your muscles aren't working right. Like the muscles that you should be running with aren't working and other muscles are compensating and that's basically causing your body to run wrong and therein cause the pain. She's like, we've got a lot of work to do. And what I've been doing for the last couple of months, I haven't gotten back on the treadmill yet, right? I was like, we're going to learn to run differently and I'll be back out on the road running. That's not the case. Every week I go in and we do these little bitty like muscle movements. I mean like really small, like tiny things. And I'm like, is this really working? You know, like small, I basically have to back up and relearn everything. I've got to teach my muscles how to run differently. And last week, you'd be proud of me, I graduated. Now I'm doing standing exercises, right? I mean, so we're, we're backing up so much, like, but it's like, it's these core, fundamental, foundational sort of things that I've got to back up and reteach my body. Today, we're going to back up. It might seem elementary, but I promise you if it was elementary, we would all have it figured out. It's foundational, it's elemental, but it's going to take some time to get there. But it's core. Listen, guys, if we get this, if we get this, it changes everything. It changes everything about you, about the way you live, about the way you look at life, about the way you treat others. It changes the way your office begins to function, the way your home begins to function. It changes who we become as a church, and we've got to get it. See, here's the deal. At their core, a follower of Christ makes a shift from me to we. At their core, a follower of Christ makes a shift from me to we. You see, left unattended, our hearts will always seek more. You know this is true about yourself. When I, when I first became a parent, somebody told me, you'll never know how selfish you are until you have a child. So true. Now that I have three children, I know I'm really, really, really selfish. <laughs> now, it does, having children doesn't like correct it. It just magnifies it. It just shows it, right? You just, it just puts it there in front of your face how selfish you are. Uh, my, my kids, they, they, they show me this all the time. Uh, we will, we'll set out blocks for our girls and like, they'll play and they'll build things. They'll be so proud of it. And they knock it over. And, and what I've noticed is like one will take the blocks and go over and play and like leave like one or two for the other. And like, we'll be like, Hey, you know, you should share with your sister. And like, she's got blocks. Yeah, like one or two blocks. And so my wife and I, like in a you know, sheer parental brilliance, we're like, they just need more blocks. Like that's the problem. They need more blocks. <laughs> so we went out, got more blocks so they could build. And instead of like one taking 25 and leaving a couple, one takes 50 and leaves like four. And it's like, guys, no, 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 no. But, but here's the deal, right? Like we all want more blocks. Amen. Whether you're three, whether you're six, whether you're 33 or 63, we all want more blocks, right? Like it's true. There's this, like, there's, this, there's this fundamental thing, right? Like our muscles aren't firing correctly. It's, there's something inside of us that's just called selfishness. Let's call it what it is. And it derails everything that we try to do. And it derails our, our life as a follower of Christ. And if we don't address it, at some point down the road, we're going to break down. There's going to be something that pops up and shows us we're way off base. Pastor Benji said it so well last week. He said, being the church is flipping the world upside down. The world's functioning like this. You as the church, you go and you function a completely different way. That's why I love our first contact team. You know, they, they wear the, the, the black shirts around here. When you pull onto the campus, it does not matter, right? Like you, we have arguments in the cars on the way here, right? Like we can all be honest about that. You might have had one here on the way this morning. Like you're trying to get your kids ready. You're piling into the car. Somebody spilled something on the way. You spilled your coffee on yourself. And you're like, you're ticked off pulling into church. And then you see those big Mickey hands like waving, right? And all of a sudden, like it's completely disarming. Right? Like, I love our first contact team. It's, and they're, they're not the only team. All of, our, all of our volunteer teams do this. But you see them most, most uh, visibly out in the open. They, they, they make it a, a disarming place. 
basically like the world has been functioning this way. Everybody's clawing to get to the top, but as soon as you walk in the door, we're going to serve you. We're going to function a completely different way. Church, we're supposed to serve, to give, to be the least and the last. In other words, we're supposed to live like Christ. Paul said it really well in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you can. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It'll be up on the screen. Paul says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That, that hurts a little bit, right? Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, that makes a lot of sense, right? We, we call ourselves followers of Christ, Christians. Our attitudes, our minds should be just like his. Who, being in very nature God, grasp that. We, we need to see that. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to, to behold. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. The nature of God took the nature of a servant. Isn't it amazing to think that the, 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 the most... The biggest servant of all is God. Blows our minds to think about it. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, shifting from me to we is not just simply a cute Sunday school lesson, like do this and it'll be better, like do this because it's the way things should be. Listen. Shifting from me to we is, it's the core of who we are. It's who God is and it's how he's made us to be. Write this down. I cannot do life alone. I cannot do life alone. In fact, Genesis 2, the very beginning, the Lord God said this, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It is not good for the man to be alone. The, the Hebrew word there for alone simply means like a limb without a body. Can you picture that? doesn't make any sense, does it? There's this limb that's just dangling out there without a body. He says that, that, that's what it's like when we do life alone. When I say I cannot do life alone, when you, when you say it, I cannot do life alone, I want, I want us to hear it today in two senses. The first is that, uh, that I need others. But here's the other sense. Others need you. I need others, and others need me. In fact, write it down. I need you. In your teaching notes, I need you. You see, this is the essence. It's the, it's the foundation of, of who our God is. Our God exists in community. In Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, God said, let us. Who's God talking to? Himself, that he exists in community. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They don't know any existence in this word alone. And yet somehow, for some reason, as humans, we often try to go off by ourselves. But it's the essence of who we are as a community, as a church as well. In John 3, it says this, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them. I love that passage. I've repeated that 
hundreds of times over the years. Jesus had three and a half years to make a difference, to turn the world upside down, to build leaders and develop them and send them out to change the world. And it says he went out to the Judean countryside to spend time with the disciples. It was important to him. Like, I, I picture a bunch of guys, like, out, like, chicken fighting in a lake or something. Like, I, I mean, like, the, they were spending time together. Sometimes we get over-spiritualized, and Jesus said, I just want to spend time with these guys. It's important that we do life together. We do life together. Say it with me. I cannot do life alone. You're supposed to say it with me. I cannot do life alone. Now, all the time, I'll hear people say, yeah, like, but all I need is Jesus. Like, like I can go to church and I can come in by myself and go out by myself and I can read the scriptures. I can go to a Bible study and I can, I can receive the scriptures and I can go out and be on my own. I can, I can watch church on TV and it's like I'm at church. I think Jesus would disagree. In John 17, John 17, verse 20, it says this, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus is saying, God, I, I want them to get this. I want the church to see this, that just as you and me are one, they're supposed to model that relationship in the world. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you, or, do you, do you get the picture? Jesus is saying, Father, you and me, we are one, and I'm in them. And when they act as one, the world can look at them and see that we are real, that, that, that we exist, that, that, that love is real. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are. I in them, you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It doesn't say, I hope that they get all my teachings and they teach them just perfectly. And then the world, then they'll come to know that I love them. He says, no, 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 no. Go, be in complete unity. Be the church. And then by doing that, the world will know that you are with me. You following with me. You tracking. I cannot do life alone. I need you. See, here's the deal. You, your family, you cannot be disconnected from the church. And still shine brightly the light of Christ. It just simply doesn't work that way. But if we get it right, if we get it right, then the world can see who he is. At New Hope, we, we, we model this, we fashion this, we, we cultivate this in what we call life groups. You know, often people will be like, well, is that, is that like a Bible study? And I say, well, it's like a Bible study. Uh, but, but the difference is we actually, like, daily, weekly, we, we, we put the scriptures, we put the Bible into practice. We don't just simply go and study it, but in life groups, we, we, we put the scriptures into our lives and, and we participate in them together. It, it goes beyond just studying it to doing life together. I, I don't know about you, but for, but for me, some of my greatest experiences as a follower of Christ come when I needed someone. I needed a group of people to rally around me, to rally around my family, and be the church with me. There are times that you've fallen, right? There's times that the, the life was just a little too much to handle on your own, and you would have loved to have someone to walk beside you. There's, there, there's times that you just needed someone to listen. There's been times that you needed advice from someone else, and you didn't know who to go to. At New Hope, we say we are a church of life groups. 
We're not just a church with groups. We're a church of life groups. That everything we do functions within those life groups because we just think people should do life together. Not because it's just simply a good thing. It is a good thing. But it's who we are. It's, it's how we were created. Like, that's how God made us. He said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there also. Why? Because that's how I made you. I made you to function together. Now, some of you, you might be looking for a life group. You might be new to Christ. You might be just trying to figure out who Christ is. But some of you, you've been walking with Christ for a really long time. And your next step, your next challenge might be not to join a life group, but to actually start a life group. To, to create space for someone else to come and experience that, that community. Maybe it's to take a life group that already exists that's growing and blowing up and take that group with the permission of the leader and, and multiply it and start something else. Now, often when I'm, when I'm talking about life groups, I always, I always get this. This is the number one objection to a life group. I'm too busy, right? You might be thinking it right now. Can I, can I just challenge you with this? For me, my life is far too busy to do life alone. I need people in my life. I need people to correct me when I'm doing things wrong. I need people to challenge me to be a better father. I need people to be around my kids that they see me living in community and they, they see how to act and move and behave with in a, in a, in a, in a Christ-filled community. I'm far too busy to not be in a life group. And I want to challenge you to do the same. And when I, when I look at our life group leaders and I see the sacrifices, the, the immense sacrifices they make, to invest and pour into others, I, I, I look at all of us and I say, we can do it. We can do it. Like, we can create space. Now, you can't have it all, right? Like, we are all old enough. We've learned that. You cannot have it all. But can I challenge you that this is so core and fundamental to who we are as followers of Christ, that you create space for groups. Create space for groups. Because here's, here's the, the core. Here's the basis of it all. I cannot do life alone. I need you. It's the same for you. You need others. But here's, here's where it goes one step further. Not only do you need others, but others need you. Write this down. You need me. You need me. See, far too often we start with the first one. But I want to challenge us today to go on to the second part. Others need me in their lives. In the early church, there was a man named Barnabas. And the way he lived his life actually literally changed everything. Like, I'm not just using hyperbole, it did. The, the way that he invested into young disciples, like a man named Paul, changed the church forever. We're going to close on this today. I want to I get a glimpse of, of, of who Barnabas was. And if we were to act like him, if we as a church were to raise up and, and say, we want to be a Barnabas culture that all of us, we act, we behave, we think, we live and move like this church, trust me, it will not only change us, it will change Central North Carolina for the good. I want to hop right into it. In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says this, when he, talking about Paul, came to, to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Paul, if you might, you know, think back, Paul was actually killing the disciples of Christ. And then God met him on the road and changed his life, but they didn't believe it. They thought it was a trick. That Paul was just trying to like infiltrate them to find another way to kill him. Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, but Barnabas took him and he brought him to the disciples. Don't we all wish we had someone like Barnabas in our lives that at our worst moment when we most needed to get to Christ, someone came and they grabbed us and they brought us. You see, in a, in a Barnabas culture, 
we're always adding to the family. A Barnabas culture always adds to the family. And I wonder how, how could you model that? How, how could you be like that? Uh, maybe it would be like giving up your seat on a Sunday morning or scooting in. Maybe for you it would be parking in the overflow lot because you want to make sure that someone else gets the best seat. Maybe when you're getting a coffee on a Sunday morning, you buy coffee for the person behind you. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe when you meet someone on a Sunday morning, and you get to know them, you invite them out to lunch. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to challenge you. Maybe it's this Sunday. Maybe it's next Sunday. Well, what can you do to always add to the family, to add something here in our church community? I remember when my wife and I, at our, uh, our second Christmas together as, as husband and wife, we had just moved away to northern Ohio. I was a youth pastor. And we were up there, and I, you know, working in the church, I had to be there at a Christmas Eve service, and so we couldn't go back home to be with family. And there was a family in the church that they, they spent all night with us, uh, hanging out and serving at, at the Christmas Eve service. And when the services were over, they came to us and invited us over for this, like, huge, I mean, this huge, beautiful, like, Christmas Eve dinner. And we all hung out, and we watched movies together and talked. And I remember thinking that that was like the first time that I got it. It was the first time that I, I really caught a glimpse of, of what, what God was saying when he said, you can be the church. You can live this out. You can model it. Because even though we were away from family, I felt right at home. Because someone was willing to add us to their family. What does it look like for you to always add more to the New Hope family? So in a Barnabas culture, we're always adding to the family, but we don't stop there. Acts 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Did you catch that? Barnabas saw something in Paul that he didn't quite see in himself just yet. I think Barnabas saw that this guy, is he's going to change the trajectory of the church, and I want to invest in him. I want to spend time with him. He went, and he looked for him, and he found him, and he spent time with him, and he, he took him along in ministry. You see, a Barnabas culture invests in others. It invests in others. Who are you investing in today? Who are you, who are you spending time with? I wonder what it would look like if New Hopers showed up early just to connect with other people, just to get to know them a little bit more, to engage them. I wonder what that would do for us. I remember that was exactly what my pastor did for me. He invested in me, my very first pastor, when I I first began following Christ. uh, He he was a a bivocational pastor. He worked full-time as a teacher. He worked full-time as a pastor, and he had five children. And uh, he, he, he was always investing in others. He was having coffee one afternoon. And he heard some pe- people that were talking about me and, and had heard something that had happened to me that day. And actually, I don't even remember what it was, but he was concerned for me. He got up from what he was doing and he went around town to every single spot he thought I could possibly be just to find me and ask me, are you okay? He went to look for me so he could invest in me. Every time he would go out to do ministry, to, to go and spend time with people, to go and serve communion for different organizations. He would take me along with him just to invest in me. He saw something in me that I didn't quite see in myself yet. I wonder what does it look like for you to invest in others? I want to challenge you with this. This is what we've been uh, challenging ourselves on the first contact team. You might see uh, the black shirts walking around with, with these blue tags on. And at the bottom, you might, you might be able to see it. It says, I reach. 
And reach is just simply an acronym for recognize, engage, assist, connect, and honor. You see, here's the deal. We believe that if we as a first contact team recognize people, you see, when, when people come to church and they, 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 they know that someone remembers them, it changes things. But see, here's the deal. When, when, when you are recognized and you recognize others, that's when church begins to feel like home. It's when it begins to feel like family. And it doesn't happen on its own, right? It's something we've got to do. Yeah, you need others, but others need you. Others need you. The second one is engage. We just think that if, if, uh, if, if new hopers take the time to engage others, to uh, care enough to listen, people will start feeling like not only this is family, but they belong here. This is their home. What if every new hoper showed up on a Sunday morning and said, I want to assist you with whatever you need, with whatever's going on in your life. I want to assist you. I want to help you along. I want to connect with you. I want to get to know you. I want to connect you with someone else. I want to connect you to a ministry that it wasn't just on the other volunteers that are sort of signed up for the day, but we just said, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. It's my responsibility today. I'm showing up and it's all on me. H is honor. I love this one. As a first contact team, we say, you know, wouldn't it make a difference if everyone that showed up on a Sunday morning felt honored? That they were seen through God's eyes. That regardless of the baggage they were bringing in, that we received them where they were. That we just loved on them where they were. We, we, we saw past all their faults. Which leads me to the next part. In a Barnabas culture, it adds to the family and invests in others. In a Barnabas culture, it sees beyond today's faults. It sees beyond today's faults. Let me, let me share one more Barnabas experience. In Acts 15, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Basically, you know, Paul's kind of hacked off at this guy named Mark. He was with them at one time and then he deserted them when they were out doing the ministry. And so, so Paul's just saying, I don't want him along with us. You know, we're leaving him behind. And Barnabas it's almost like, it's like, it's like Paul forgets. <laughs> he forgets where he was and what Barnabas did for him. And, but Barnabas, he's sticking with him. He's saying, no, I, I, I want Barnabas, or I, want, I want Mark to come with us. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Barnabas was looking past what is to what could be in the life of Mark. And here's what it results in. Later on down the road, Paul, he's writing. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark. This guy that he was ready to leave behind. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. When Paul was all alone and needed someone to come and help him, he said, I need that guy, Mark. That guy that Barnabas invested in, who saw something in him and spent time with him. I need that guy. I wonder if we could be that for others. To see past where they are to what can be in their lives. Who are you investing in? Have you ever had someone in your life who, who saw past your faults to your potential? Like they saw something you couldn't quite see in yourself. And I wonder if every new hoper walked in on a Sunday morning with, this, with these glasses of, I'm just going to honor you where you are, and I'm going to help you get to where God wants you to be. In fact, it's, it's on, our, on our walls out in the rotunda. It's part of our DNA. It's part of the dream. There's these, these cards out in the rotunda. Feel free to grab one. Paragraph three, it says it perfectly. It says, we dream of a church where people know they are loved because they know how to share their needs with each other, right? I need you. They know how to pray for each other. They know how to support and encourage each other. 
right? You need me. And they know how to spur each other on to be all that God intends them to be. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. It's part of uh, the, the dream and the vision. And uh, guys, if we catch it fully and we live it out, it changes everything. It actually changes everything. Several months ago, uh, several of us staff went down to a conference in Anderson, South Carolina. There's a church down there called New Spring Church. And I was just blown away by their volunteers. I, I want to share with you guys today. I, uh, I was out in their rotunda and I was in their resource center and uh, something funny kind of happened. I kind of turned it into a game. When I would walk up and grab a resource, uh, one of their volunteers would run over to me and would start sharing with me about that resource of like, hey, I read that book. I love that book. Hey, so-and-so, you read that book too, right? Come here, come here, come here. And they would talk to me about the book. And I put the book down and they'd go on their way and I'd walk over to another spot and I'd pick up a different resource and like two other volunteers, they'd come and they'd run over to me and say, let me share that with you. Can I, can I tell you how that changed my life? Guys, that meant the world to me. Later on, or I, I, my, um, my mother-in-law, she was actually at that same conference from her church up in Cleveland. And she was telling me this. She said, when we arrived at our hotel for the conference, all these green shirts, they were green shirts like we wear black shirts. All these green shirts were waiting for us at the hotel. They came to our van. They, un, they, they unloaded our stuff and they took them up to our room for us. Because just, we just want to go above and beyond and serve you guys and, and help you to catch a glimpse of who we are as a church. It wasn't enough just to like come to the conference and say, hey, this is who we are, go do it. They wanted to show it. They wanted to help people experience it. My mother-in-law and her group, they were at a, a pizza place later that evening and they were sitting around and they saw a bunch of green shirts and they walked up to them and said, we just so love the conference. Thank you guys for serving and taking time out of your busy day. Conference was during the week, so they gave up you know, their own time. Thank you for coming and showing us how you guys uh, be the church in South Carolina. And they went off and they were eating their pizza. And then when they went up to pay, they, they said, the, the, the people that worked there said, no, 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 your, your bill's already taken care of. And they're like, what do you mean? We haven't paid yet. And they said, no, 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 all those green shirts that were sitting over here, they, they, they got it for you guys. When you're around them, like you, just, like, you just feel better about yourself. You know? Like you just feel like you have something more to offer to the world because of the way that they serve you. You felt like a VIP. I wonder what would, it, what would it be like if everyone that walked into New Hope said, today I'm going to make somebody else feel like a VIP. And then we would catch this vision here, and then we would take it out there. And we would say, when I, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to feel, make someone in my home feel like a VIP. I'm going to make someone at, at my work feel like a VIP. I'm going to serve them in such a way. I'm going to turn the power structures of the world upside down and believe that the least and the last are the way that God wants to develop his kingdom on earth. I want to invite us to stand right now. We're, we're going to sing a song. And it's a, it's a new song. It's called The Church. Just that simple, The Church. And you may not know it just yet, but during the first verse or so, I want to encourage you, lean in and listen. Like really grasp what it's saying. And then I want to invite us to sing it with all we've got as this declaration of saying, God, use me. I want to fill in that gap for somebody else. God, use us to be the church that you've dreamt of for Central North Carolina. When we lift up our voices and sing this song, it's not just a song. It's together as New Hopers at, at all of our campuses saying, God, use us to be this, 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 this beautiful church that you've so dreamt of. Amen. 
Let's pray. Father, we've all experienced your love in, in some powerful way. We know how much you have given to each of us individually. We know the, the scars that we've bore. We know how we've wept in your arms, needing to be renewed. God, may we as a community bring those moments together and see how much you love us and begin to be that for each other. And God, may it not stop there, but may our love overflow so that the community, the, the world around us gets to see that love. And they get, not only get to see it, but they get to experience it. We help them to, to, to feel it, to know it. God, may we be the church. May we, may we catch a glimpse of, of realizing this is who you've created us to be. This is how you've made us. And as such, we as a community are exactly what the world is so desperately longing for, to be a part of something that they belong to. God, may we be that for them. It's in your son's name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.